Welcome to the Coach and Doc podcast, hosted by Coach Chris Cutcliffe and Dr. Hunter Taylor. Our mission is to bring you insight from the best of the best in the coaching profession. If you'd like to learn more about the work we do at Coach and Doc, please visit our website, www.coachanddoc.com. Thank you so much for joining us on the Coach and Doc podcast. Our next guest is Dr. Michael Cormack, Chief of Staff for Jackson Public Schools. Dr. Cormack is in his third year at JPS, where he develops and executes the district's strategic plan, Excellence of All. He also manages the work of several key departments, including public engagement, state and federal programs, data and accountability, and human resources. Prior to to taking on this role, he served as the CEO of the Barksdale Reading Institute, which for those who don't know, is a statewide organization dedicated to improving early literacy and teacher development outcomes in Mississippi. He's also a former principal and teacher that served in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, And I always thought this was so interesting. Michael is the principal profiled in the New York Times bestselling memoir, Dispatches from Pluto, uh, which is one of my favorite reads about the Delta. Um, But he's also a great friend, and I'm extremely grateful that he made time for us. Doc, welcome to the podcast. Hey, I I appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Doc, for for letting me join you all tonight. Absolutely. Well, I mentioned to you before, we're doing a three-part series on a specific role, kind of that role that, that we've labeled just as the top advisor, the number two, whatever you want to call it. And we wanted to include one person not in athletics to get a different perspective on how he or she executes, executes this job responsibility. So thank you for being that person. You've had this title for over two years now. If you can, talk about what attracted you to the chief of staff position uh, because you were already a seasoned CEO. Yeah, uh, I don't know about how seasoned, but I'll just say, um, yeah, I'll celebrate my two-year anniversary uh, in just a few days, uh, February 2nd. Um, uh, we'll make two years in, in Jackson Public Schools. Um, and I think what initially attracted me to the job and what keeps me here uh, is just really um, the opportunity to prove what's possible for kids in our capital city. Um, if you know and you follow, you know, education in our state, um, you know that we have a lot of work to do in, in terms of, you know, our reputation, um, you know, nationally, there's a, there's a whole lot of work to do. And as so goes um, the, the capital, I think so goes the whole state of Mississippi. And so there's a huge connection to what we're able to do in Jackson uh, to demonstrate and to create some proof points. Um, I have a special uh, affinity and passion for um, children, um, you know, of color to make certain and that we demonstrate that um, they can achieve on par with any kid in the state and in the country. And um, there is a real need to to demonstrate that. And uh, what better way to do that with work here in Jackson? Um, we've got a great and talented uh, superintendent. We've got a good uh, and solid team that we're working to build. Uh, and so to be a part of that, um, I think it's just an incredible um, opportunity. And so um, I wanted to seize that opportunity to, to be a part of that work. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so Dr. Cormack, I've loved getting to hear, um, you know, about all the interesting projects that your leadership cabinet has already implemented in a relatively short time, like you said, just uh, coming up on two years now. So, you know, I'm just curious, a really large district uh, like JPS, you know, what do you especially try to do for Dr. Green as his number two? 
Uh, and if you could briefly also just give some context to our listeners uh, about JPS, you know, the number of campuses, uh, students, you know, all that type of thing for people who may not be very familiar with, with Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, so uh, Jackson Public Schools is the second largest district in the state. Uh, we serve uh, over 20,000 uh, young people in the capital uh, region, um, right here in the capital city. Um, we're second only to uh, DeSoto County uh, in, uh, in North Mississippi. And um, uh, we're predominantly uh, an African-American district. About 98% of our students uh, are um, African-American. Um, a smaller percentage of students, um, well, um, our, our district is a, a 100% uh, title school district. And so, um, you know, the vast majority of our students, all of our students qualify for free or reduced lunch because we meet the eligibility criteria well over 90%. And so we're able to offer free and reduce uh, free lunch to, to, to all of our scholars. Um, and we um, have about uh, 54 uh, different uh, schools and, and programs. Uh, 49 schools in particular, and then uh, in addition, uh, you know, specialized programs serving uh, some of our secondary scholars, our early college, high school, um, you know, credit recovery program uh, for, you know, overage scholars, a variety of other kind of special initiatives. We've got about 4,000 employees on the staff. And so as chief of staff, um, you know, it's my job to kind of know and, and have a landscape of the district and how we can help to, to lead our staff in that work. And so, um, you know, I, I had to hit the ground running. And uh, part of that job was initially um, to help to lead the district in a reorganization, um, to really think strategically about how um, a district um, of our size, um, did we have the right support structures in place at the central office? And are, were there ways for us to right size even just the central office supports? We were a, li a little large um, in terms of central office support, and we've experienced um, some enrollment decline over the last decade as um, you know population has declined in the capital city. So um, we had to make some really hard choices about uh, the staff support structures. Um, and you know, one of my first efforts was to help support our district in leading a reorganization that netted you know, a savings of about $1 million uh, to, the, to the district coffers. And that's a really important uh, effort um, as we just think about how do we uh, become a bit leaner, um, but not compromise the quality of supports that we're able to offer to our scholars and their families. Uh, another big initiative right out the gate, uh, summer of 19, we launched our five-year strategic plan, Excellence for All, uh, which is a huge effort to signal um, how we were going to um, lead the district over the next five years and what strategic investments and commitments we would make. And it was really important to kind of launch out five key commitments. How do we expect the district to be different um, over the next several years? And so that takes us through 2024. And we made some strategic commitments around uh, supports for early childhood um, with a strong start commitment. Uh, really investing in our teachers as professionals. And so there's work around creating talented and empowered teams, um, trying to innovate around our teaching and learning practices. And so making some commitments there um, as well. Um, uh, joyful learning environments, which is really an important commitment because, you know, if we want to increase things like the graduation rate um, and uh, student achievement, we've got to have students that uh, are not just uh, in present physically in schools, but that they're deeply engaged in learning and that they want to be there and 
invested in their learning. Uh, and then our final commitment is just one around accountability and excellence. So how do we raise the bar for our expectation for all adults in service of children? Um, and so, so the strategic plan was really important um, as a, an initial effort to just signal to the community, here's what we want to accomplish. Here's what we want to do. Hey, everyone. While these podcasts are a blast to make, they're also a lot of work. And we want to thank Team Funded and Guardian Caps for sponsoring our first series. Want to put the power of fundraising in the palm of your hand? Check out teamfunded.com, the number one rated mobile app fundraiser. Powered by T-Extreme, they give you the fundraising tools you need right on your mobile advice so you can fund your organization anytime, anywhere. As a football coach, I know firsthand that player safety is a concern for coaches across the country. Guardian caps bring a padded soft shell technology to the outside of the decades old hard shell helmet design and reduce up to 33% impact. Worn by programs such as Clemson, Oklahoma, Texas, Washington, and over 2000 high schools, including Oxford High School, Guardian caps goal is simple, to reduce impact one hit at a time. Check them out at guardiancaps.com. You've given a ton of information. Uh, which I love. You, you always do a great job on this. And so um, let's talk about the role for a little bit. And so like this can be, I'd love for you to speak on this. That way it can transfer over to somebody listening that may be interested in being an associate head coach for a college football team and maybe, you know, et cetera. And so like, if you're going to take on a role like you, like you took on for Dr. Green and you know, there have to be certain things in place that you know, hey, I know I can be successful then if this is in place between he and I, or if it's a, a she, whatever it may be. So Michael, if someone was going to take on a role similar to what you're in now, maybe just in a different context, what are some non-negotiables you think are good to have in place to effectively carry out the responsibility of as the number two? Yeah, I think it's a huge question. So I think in a word, it is candor. Right. Um, and specifically like a radical candor, the ability to manage up and to be able to tell your number one how you genuinely feel about a thing uh, and to offer your unvarnished uh, advice and perspective. Um, I think one of the things that really attracted me to this position and um, was, um, you know, I had led an organization, as you mentioned. And so, you know, coming into a, a place where I would not be. The, the head of the organization, it was really important that, you know, I have strongly held beliefs and opinions about things. I think I have a perspective. Um, and it was um, pretty remarkable to me that out the gate when I met Dr. Green, uh, we had an easy rapport and we were able to um, pretty much out the gate be able to um, have conversations about, you know, the district and about things that we wanted to, to see uh, move. Um, and that, you know, that that was um, easy and it was accepted. Um, I think, you know, someone who's seeking this pos pos a position like the chief of staff, like an associate a head coach, like an assistant head coach, you need that kind of ability to be able to talk to your lead and to be able to manage up and to be able to be radically candid uh, if, it, if you're to be successful. Because I think where there is a barrier, where there's a wall, where you feel inhibited in any way, being able to offer your opinion, offer your take and perspective, um, it, it really is challenging. And to be honest and to be completely humble, I don't always have the right uh, opinion. There are many ways in which iron sharpens iron, where 
he's able to push me and mentor me and, and we're able to have conversations where we grow together. But I think that that's an important dynamic is that you want to be able to leave it all on the table or, you know, to offer the, you know, the athletic jargon, you know, leave it on the field to be able to have those conversations behind closed doors and then to be unified as you present, you know, a united front on, on the back end. And so I think that's just huge. The ability to be radically candid, to be able to offer your truth uh, and perspective and grow from it. That's great. Yeah, I think that's really, really well said. And, um, you know, so like Hunter mentioned earlier, you've, you've been a CEO, uh, you've been a leader in an organization already. Um, so, you know, when you become a CEO again, when you're, uh, you know, the, the number one uh, lead in an organization, will you implement a role similar to this in your organizational chart and why or why not? Yeah, I, th I think it's huge. I think it's important that you have somebody um, that's able to, um, you know, uh, see around the corner. Um, and I think that that's, that's one of the, the ways that I can be helpful and be a, uh, of a good support uh, to Dr. Green. It's an interesting dynamic, a chief of staff, um, because I both manage and am a lead and am a leader, but I'm not the, the head. And so there's a, you know, there's a delicate balance between the two and being able to understand that role, but to be able to offer someone some support and to see where I can't see or to be privy to conversations that um, that I may not be at the table for to offer that perspective, but then also just to, um, you know, to fill in the gaps and to serve in a complementary position um, with that with that leader, I think is, is huge. And so I definitely value someone that can push me, that can, you know, see around corners. Um, and I, I would uh, very much appreciate having that. I think it's, it, I think it's absolutely essential to be able to do that job uh, but also to, uh, you know, have respect for the hierarchy and to, you know, understand how you work together to continue to grow. This is a similar question, but uh, it, we asked this question last week um, to Coach Jerome Tang, and he, and he gave it a really wise answer. And so we wanted to hear it from you as well on it's a little different than just characteristics that you would look for in that. What types of experiences would you want the person that you would consider to have had if they're going to take on the role that you yourself, you've lived it now on, you, you know, that you think they need to have gone through some things like this before. Yeah. So uh, it's both a set of experiences, but it's also, I think an attitude about learning. Right. Um, and so the ability to be a constant learner. Um, so you know, one of the things that, 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 you know, an adage I live by, and I think it served me well just in my career trajectory is that, you know, in every job, I want the ability to continue to learn and grow. Um, that's, that's essential. And so, you know, in a place where I don't feel like I can continue to learn and grow, it's time for me to find, you know, someplace else to be. And so I think, um, that capacity for constant learning, I think, is huge, especially in this role. Um, having, um, you know, been a chief of staff in particular, I think it's important to also know the complement of the roles. And so, you know, from a coaching perspective, you know, have, having played and, and, you know, and, and worked your way up the ring or managed a team or had an opportunity to wear a variety of different hats. Um, so in education for me, that's been, you know, I was a classroom teacher. I've been a teacher mentor. Um, I've been a principal, um, you know, I've uh, coached teachers, I've led a nonprofit. So I had a set of, of exper experiences and skills, you know, I built curricula, 
you know, I've, I've taught, you know, at university. So there were a variety of different, uh, you know, roles that I fulfilled before that gave me entree into understanding people and how they work. Um, and so, you know, being able to transfer that into teams, I think is really valuable. So the ability to constant learn, constantly learn, but the ability to have, you know, navigated a variety of different roles and learn from each of those experiences, I think is just really huge. Uh, and building a profile of a well-rounded leader that's able then to understand the complexity of organizations, how to get it done, to relate to a particular experience and to really move the work forward. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, hey, you know, from the outside looking in, we've observed some of the changes that JPS has undergone and, you know, since your leadership team took over. But, you know, I'd love to, to hear a little more from you about just some of the things that you're most proud of and, and what you would want people to know about the current state of, of Jackson Public Schools. Right. So, I mean, there are a variety of things I'm proud of. Um, the, the least, not the least of which is, you know, I'm also a parent in Jackson Public Schools. And so it's something that I get to, you know, to celebrate and see. Um, I'm also, you know, one of the few members of our senior team that can boast, you know, I have an elementary scholar, a middle school scholar, and a high school scholar now. And so I'm able to see kind of the landscape of, you know, how decisions that we make at the leadership table really have an impact um, on, you know, our, our families. Um, reflected on one of the strategic commitments that we made, which was a strong start and which really focuses on expanding access to pre-kindergarten opportunities for our, for our, our students. And it was one of the things that even as I interviewed and, and um, explored the data in the district before I joined the team was something that I saw um, as, a, as a need. Um, you know, JPS had gone through a, a pretty uh, rocky a few years um, with the, the threat of state takeover. Um, and one of the, um, I guess, the collateral beauties of that process is that there was a lot of data and a lot of reporting that had been done, both from the Mississippi Department of Education and other outside organizations, really to uh, poll and to do qualitative research with the community about what the needs were. And one of the things folks said again and again is, we need to expand pre-K opportunities. We need to make certain that, uh, you know, our young people have a stronger start. And hey, if, you know, we could open up more seats, I would, I would gladly uh, enroll my, you know, my child. So one of the things I'm really proud of is being able to, you know, as be at the table and to set a vision for creating um, a district-wide preschool center. Um, we've expanded some seats, um, about 100 uh, more seats at McWilly uh, in North Jackson and then opened up a brand new uh, pre-kindergarten center, uh, Van Winkle, where we repurposed an existing elementary school uh, to serve pre-K pre scholars in South Jackson. So it's really exciting to see um, that, you know, when I started in the district just two years ago, we were serving just over 500 scholars and we doubled that in two years with the capacity to serve uh, well over a thousand. Um, and so we're literally closing the gap. And then those kids that, have a strong start in uh, JPS pre-kindergarten. They're doing uh, stellar things and we're able to follow longitudinally those kids as they go into third grade and successfully you know, pass the third grade gate and, and do wonderful things in terms of you know, meeting that high stakes reading test. And you know, they're just put on a trajectory and a course to really excel. Um, and so that's an exciting thing for me to be able to, to see uh, just in a short time, you know, being able to offer that. and to meet the, the need in the community. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Michael, we're going to finish with a little rapid, rapid fire closing round. Okay. All right. All right. So, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. Quick answers. <laughs> this could be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First one. What was the last book you read? The last book I read, read or finished is an important distinction. Either or. It's up to you. So the last book I finished was a book you recommended uh, about uh, the role of the chief of staff, crazily enough. Uh, and uh, God, dog, the title is uh, escaping me. Maybe you can help me out. The Gatekeepers, the gate yes. Uh, it was the last book I finished. It was great. Boston College is playing Vanderbilt. Who are you rooting for? D.C. Okay. Undergrad. I respect yeah. it. You, you got to go with undergrad. Okay. I, I love Vanderbilt, but you know, I got my doctorate there. It's, it's not the same. <laughs> um, all right, here's one most underrated leader in the state that you want to shout out. You can't say anyone you currently work with. Uh, Eddie Pazan, who's the uh, superintendent in uh, Starkville, Octobaha. Okay. What do you miss most about the Delta? Uh, my church family. Best place to eat in Jackson. Whew. That's tough. Get me in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're gonna get me in trouble. Oh goodness. Put it on your put it on one of your put it on Max. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, uh I wanna say someplace uh local. There are so many good places to eat. I can I man, you one can do place? a couple. Okay, you I can, can do, do a couple. couple. Okay. Um, I really love uh, saltines for oysters. Um, I love, um, there's a Caribbean fusion place in South Jackson. It's amazing. Um, uh, and um, uh, char. I like, I, I like char for a fancy gussied up, uh, gus, gussied up meal. Nicely done. Well, Dr. Cormack, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a ton of fun, man. Thank you so much. Hey, no problem. Appreciate it. Yeah, this has been awesome. We really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to the Coach and Doc podcast. Now, we know there are a lot of podcasts out there, so we're grateful that you chose ours. If you'd like to learn more about the work that we do, please visit our website. It is at coachanddoc.com. Thanks again.